Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome. It is lovely to be joined by the amazing, incredible Jess. Both of you, welcome. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you. So um, I'm going to let you do the introduction. Do you want to tell us a little bit about you? Tell us what you're involved in, how me and you have met. Um, yeah, I'm gonna let you introduce yourself for this time. Ramble on for a little bit, I'm sure. <laughs> I am Jessa Grace. I am, first of all, mother of three, single mother of three boys. This is my littlest. He's eight months now. And I'm also the founder of the Heartfelt Business Model. It's a business building and marketing approach or model that really helps heart-centered, heartfelt businesses and entrepreneurs to truly connect instead of market and to truly hear and listen and support instead of pitch to people and grow their businesses so that it grows itself so that you can be more concerned with what it is you're here to do what deliver your magic instead of figuring out what is the best pitch message or how do, how many people do I need to dm in order to get a client we don't want to worry about any of these things we want to make you manifestable instead of having to manifest the the life that you desire. I love it. I love it. So how did you get involved in this business in the first place? So that, that's a good juicy question. So I, until my mid twenties was an international model and I was okay. living all over the world, Asia, Thailand, Singapore, London, all the spots. Sounds exciting. Was, until it wasn't. <laughs> I started having my own, what I was calling at the time, my own awakening, my spiritual awakening, and starting to really suffer those those symptoms, I guess, of the awakening where you're really feeling isolated. You're questioning everything that you've ever done. You're questioning your future, why you're here, what's my purpose, all of that. And that was when I decided no more modeling. I'm not going to do that anymore. And well, my agency did, did not enjoy that decision at all. But you know, I can we, we found our compromises and everything. And I decided to start my own business. And I really love helping people to really manifest their truths, to make it happen and get the word out. And I was already deep into the marketing world, being a model. I mean, that's what it is. And so I decided to go in that direction, go into media and marketing. And I started where I was specifically for the fashion industry and did really well. People were like, where's this girl come from? We're talking Madison Avenue, Manhattan agencies coming to me saying, how are you doing this? And at the time Excellent. I didn't have an office. I did not have an office. I had a little Yorkie and my gumption, <laughs> and that was <laughs> I was getting these really big clients, like you know Giovanni, Alberto Macaulay, all of these people. And I started out by saying, okay, I'll be your model, I'll be in your lookbook, I'll be on your cover, whatever it is, but you have to at least let me put my hat in the ring for your media and marketing. And they were like, well, we're not gonna say no, we'll at least look at it. And slowly, well, not even slowly, it happened pretty quickly, if you really think about it, it started working. I picked up one, I picked up another, people started noticing and they were like, well, she has no overhead, so she's less expensive too. <laughs> and so I started to really become that person who helped people connect with their people in a different way because my, my proposals were all very, very different than all the other ones that they were getting on their desk. 
And I was also affordable to the point where they could go and do other things with their businesses and grow. So the big companies were like, well, this is interesting. But the smaller or more mom and pop companies were like, we can actually afford to grow because she's not going to charge us $300,000. And so the grow they did. And then my message also spread that same way. And so, of course, I kind of got over that. I didn't want to be living in Manhattan anymore. I, I wanted to start a family, which I did. And I moved to Brooklyn and started doing that same thing for, you know, smaller businesses, whether it's a daycare or a bakery or the mortgage bank or the, the, the sweets guy on the corner. It was just all the, the local businesses that they caught on and it caught on like wildfire. And then it got to the point where I was like, I really want to help more people who are in the helping industries because I got the biggest client at the time of my life, it was the um, the health department of New York City. And wow. they did a campaign to encourage mothers to hire doulas for their birth. Because I had two home births and had doulas, of course. And so I was like, oh, I would love to do that. And that just opened up all the doors for me to really, truly help more people who help more people. And I decided no more, no more brick and mortar as much as I love everyone in my community. I'm going strictly to helping people who help people. And then that's where heartfelt became more, I guess, codified. The actual steps and the processes and the psychological and emotional support steps that you can take to grow your business instead of having to invest in, you know, $300,000 in Facebook ads or something like that, that you don't even know if it's going to work anyways. The algorithm's always changing you can create a situation where it works for you because you're connecting. And that's really that powerful step of saying, I'm choosing to connect. I will grow, but I'm going to connect. And that's going to grow through the connections. I love that. I love that. So have you always been into manifesting and creating that kind of is that something you grew up with or? No, actually, I grew up a ward of the state until I was about nine. I did when I was nine and that also didn't end very well. So for me, it's always just been, it's me, myself and I. And I seem to always, even since I was little, understand that the I is probably more powerful than any tool or person or job or anything like that in actually getting what I want from my life. It's just me. Nobody's here to tell me yes. Nobody's here to tell me no. Nobody's here to tell me good job. Nobody's here to say, oh, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Nobody, just me, myself, and I. And I tapped into my higher power, God, source, whatever you want to call it, the universe, this baby's pulling my hair. And I always just kind of had that sense, like nobody's here for me but me. That's it. So if anybody's going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I just you know, I've had my dark times where I wasn't always having the most positive thoughts for myself and everything, but I am an assimilator as well. The way my brain works, I can see things, all of the pieces at all the same time, but also see the different timelines that are available to me and say that one, that's the one I want that one and go in that direction. 
I love how you're talking about it, it was down to just you. And like so many people would be, oh, woe poor me, gloom, doom, it's only me, I'm on my own. And you're almost the opposite. Yes, you acknowledge you have bad times and hard times, but you're almost the opposite. You're like, okay, it's down to me. So how can I use this to my advantage? Learn to not count on people, to not rely on people, because it just wasn't part of my my programming. I was never given the opportunity to say, oh, they'll handle it. Or, oh, if I go over there and tell them what my problems are, they'll fix it for me. I, I didn't have that in my in my, you know, those, those early years where you're really programmed with your, your reality. So, I, you know, some people would be like, oh, poor girl, she didn't have a loving family. I'm like, I, I got my loving family. I created it for myself, but I didn't need it in order to get through the hard times or make the big crazy decisions that I made that actually were really awesome. That if I had had that kind of family, they would have been like, oh, that's not safe. You shouldn't be traveling alone as a female and all these things. You can't do that. You can't do that. I did it. Yeah. I did it because nobody said, oh, wait, hold up. And I'm, yeah, I'm I mean, that could work both ways, can't it? I mean, I certainly had the biological family and they certainly <laughs> tried and everything they did came from a caring, loving place. But when I had my accident, they drove me insane. They weren't actually helping or supporting me. They were just trying to um, control me, but in a loving way. I don't want it to sound like really horrible because they did it because they wanted to keep me safe and they wanted to look after me and they wanted to make it okay. But what interested me was how they seemed to think I was going to be a completely different person just because I lost my leg. I'm still just as stubborn. I'm still just as independent. I'm still all these things I always have been. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I love the fact, and you kind of the you instill the role of what I call this these podcasts is about misfits. It's about people doing things their own way. So if I say the word misfit to you, what would you say that means? I would say. It's the equivalence of, let's say there's a, a litter of kittens, right? And there's one kitten who maybe has a, a crooked tail. Most people would not want that cat. I would be the one saying, that's my cat. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm, I'm just something a little different that makes enough of a difference to where there's a hard yes and a hard no in life. Instead of, okay, see how this goes. It's more like, hell yes. Or hell no, that's it. And the misfit doesn't have the gray area. They don't have even the psychology to be in a gray area in life. And so they're they're accomplishing more and that drives people crazy. So they, they must label it. Now it must be labeled so that I can put it in a corner and leave it alone because it makes me think something about myself. Wow, I love it. That's it. That sums it up. I got nothing else to say. That's perfect. I'm so glad. That's um, a good so, Never actually thought about it like that, but yeah, that just popped yeah, out. Yeah, like that sums it all up. That's just yeah. It is how I see it. And um, I certainly, when I first looked up the word in the dictionary, it says someone who's criminal, someone who's on the outside of the law, someone who people have subjected. And I just thought. 
yellow lights come on i'm not a criminal <laughs> yeah no um so we met through pulling each other along can you tell people who haven't heard what pulling each other along is all about and how you got involved i'm so excited to be a part of this so i I'm part of this as like a, a coach and a consultant to help people to, you know, really figure out their next best steps for their visions and their missions. But what it really is, is if you think of it like, like a, a mountain, right? The top of our mountain at pulling each other along is the D3 day events. And these events are held throughout the country here in the United States. Hopefully we can go further. And they are day there's sports camps right now we're doing this weekend we're doing one um with the yankees and these children who have disabilities and their families can come and just have a day and just do all of the things that everybody else was telling them that they probably couldn't or shouldn't do whether it's you know hitting a baseball even though they don't have use of their arms or running the bases even though they're in a walker whatever it might be that they were probably told they couldn't do, we help them to actually do, or at least do the best of their abilities. And it just, it's a time for them to feel included, inspired, appreciated, applauded, and excited to just be kind of normal for a day. Just be normal and meet some famous sports players and have a good time with no judgment, with no, oh, wait, 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 be careful, be careful. None of this is happening for them just for the day. And so that's what we have been doing for a while now. Well, they have. I joined the team in January. Do you I think. take your kids along? My kids come, yeah. They're going to come and they're going to yeah. be volunteers. They're going to have their hats on and everything. And they're going to help other kids play baseball. They're so excited. Yeah. We love it. And my kids are extremely empathic. So they really thrive in these kinds of situations as well. And just helping other people smile when maybe they haven't smiled in months, you know, just really give it to them, give them what everybody deserves, regardless mm. of patients and really mm. feel that sense of I'm included. Wait, somebody picked me for their team. Yay. Really help them feel not like kids should be feeling and that's really exciting so that's our big thing and what we are doing now is the fundraising side of things is going 24 hours a day seven days a week he's <laughs> so excited and what we what they were doing before i came onto the team was you know things like selling cheese and honey and you know other like you know fundraising sorts of things that they could come up with at, in, at any moment and so now what we're doing is we have created a collective. So myself as a business coach, I have always been of the sense of giving back. I previously had a collective called the Heartfelt Business Collective, where the proceeds of my coaching would go towards making sure that other people who were in very difficult situations, much like the one that I found myself in a year ago, I had the support, like single moms who needed to build their own business or move out, be homeless, that kind of thing. They would get the coaching and the consulting that they needed. And it grew from there. Other people joined my collective and they were therapists. They were family consultants. They were energy healers, all kinds of different people saying, I want to help. How can I help these people for free and make money at the same time? And so that was 
amazing. I did end up having to close the doors to that because I went through my own situation. Oddly enough, the people that I was helping didn't help me back. So I had to just make that decision. And so when I came out of my situation, I'm healing, I'm growing, I'm learning. I'm like, okay, time to get back out there again. I came across this with them and I was just blown away. I was like, I've done this. I've done it and I've done it successfully. I want to help you do it. And here's the vision. Here's the model. Here's the step-by-steps. Here's how we do it. Okay, let's go. <laughs> and Excellent. I pretty much gave them no option other than to bring me on board. I was like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just calling every day, messaging every day. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm sure that's not true. I happen to know Doug's very excited about having you on board. So that's not quite how. I didn't so, have to convince them, but they knew I wasn't. <laughs> they knew. They um, to the point where they were like, I think we should probably start paying or something. <laughs> so not you, you touched a couple of times there about the difficulty and the hard time you've gone through. Do you want to share that? So just because I think a lot of people could learn from your experience and gain from what you were telling me. Yeah. So oddly enough, when I started my collective about five years ago, I was specifically helping for free pro bono women who were going through or had gone through very very traumatic situations and found themselves as single mothers and their only options really were to make their dreams come true or give up just give up and they've got families and they've got all the struggles that come with being a single mother and they needed it they needed it for some reason my spirit was drawn these are the people them and veterans and then I find myself two years ago falling very, very, very quickly down that very slippery slope into that exact situation. And it was, the irony is not <laughs> lost on me, but the fact that I had been supporting these women and then I found myself as one of them was, it was a shock to my system. Thankfully, I had a lot of resources and a lot of people that I could speak to because they'd been there. But going through such a an emotionally, spiritually, physically, verbally toxic relationship end was enough for me to be like, I can't do this right now. I can't support everybody else right now and myself and my children. I was pregnant at the time and I, I couldn't, I couldn't. And when it came time for me to say, I can't do this anymore, ladies, all of them just kind of got mad at me and walked away. <laughs> Was like, what a horrible way for it to end and it, it was sad it was sad it's still kind of going there not everybody not everybody left but as far as the amount of support that I would get um it wasn't enough for me to say okay I can split my attention between my own healing my children and and this movement that I had created luckily thousands of people did still get the support that they needed in the years that we were doing it I think it was about 3,200 people had gone through the program, built their businesses and are doing just fine. <laughs> but I had to step away and it was painful, but it was also exactly what I needed to really reevaluate. Like, whoa, how did I get here? And really heal for myself. And so it was only after he was born and this toxic ex was out of my life over his own he definitely 
he ended it well for himself. He ended up being arrested for domestic violence only four days after I had given birth. And it it's just been so much more peaceful ever since he has not been in our home or in our lives or in our faces. And does he still see his son or? He does. He has a, a, a very limited um, visitation rights right now because we are going to trial in September. Mm -hmm. I think that once that happens and everything comes out, I think the courts are going to do the right thing. I hope. I pray. Yeah, I'm sure they will, hon. Yeah, we can create, me and you can create that world. Manifest that. You can manifest that. I mean, how was he with your other two sons? Not great. Not great. It's, I mean, it was one of the, it was, I mean, the more I learn about this and I've spoken with therapists and trauma counselors and all of that, it's kind of a thing. There are these people who have this, they all follow the same like process in their abuse structure. It's actually a structure. And it starts out, you know, he's great. He's sweet. He's giving, he's gifts and, you know, just everything was so sweet. I was like, oh, this man would do anything for me. And he did until he got what he was looking for, which was to really ha have that sense that I'm not going anywhere. There's no way she's gonna, I can do whatever I want. She's not going anywhere. So that's when the mask came off and his true nature started to show. And that's when things, you know, he, he was just rude and short-tempered at first. And then it became much, much more abusive, emotionally, psychologically abusive and to me and my children and we were all like what just happened and then he'd be nice again and then he'd get a, he'd go through these spirals and then it got to the point where he would literally not stop the abuse until I exploded until I got upset about what he was doing and then he'd point the finger at me and be like you're crazy walk away as if nothing had just happened with a little skip in his step and then act like nothing had just happened he's like oh you want to go on a date want to watch a movie with me I'm like I don't want anything to do with you get out and he refused to leave and that's where things got very much out of hand he felt like he had the power and the control and that only happened when I got pregnant he was like oh you're not going anywhere you're pregnant where are you going and I'm like oh watch me watch me especially I mean I guess you're even more protective when you're pregnant because you've got enough being inside you that yeah, is affected by how you're feeling emotionally, you know, stress levels, all the rest of it is going to. And it got to the point where I couldn't even have private conversations with my my healthcare team. I had to actually make a covert operation out of seeing my doctor because he wouldn't allow it. He simply wouldn't allow it. So I was like, okay, what do we got to do? Talk to my doctors. And they're like, okay, we're going to have an appointment on Wednesday for you and then we're going to have another appointment on Thursday where he can attend and we're just not going to say anything we're like okay everything looks good so that he wouldn't have the the ability to to censor what I was telling my doctors it was it was it was a lot it was just so overbearing to the point where the the idea of building anybody else up was just not possible for me at that time you got to feed yourself before you can feed others, yeah. especially if you got two young, um, well, two and one coming, yeah. so equivalent to three young babies. Well, you know, let's be honest, your kids have always got to come first always. over anyone else you serve. 
as though if you can't, I've, I'm always relieved having been through IVF and, and adoption and all sorts of things that fell apart. I've always been quite relieved that at least I hadn't become a mum when I had my accident because I was like, actually, I could completely focus on me. I don't have to have a child that I'm supporting through this. I don't, a child doesn't have to watch their mum and dad go through this. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that one. Yeah. And um, it was, I mean, especially to me, because, you know, my mum was diagnosed when I was five and I grew up looking, um, she was diagnosed with Parkinson's when I was five. So I grew up with her getting sicker and sicker and sicker. So to me, it was so important that a child, my child, never had to watch that happen with me. So when I had my accident, I was just really relieved that I could, I could be selfish. I could mm-hmm. just say, right, I'm, I'm only just beginning to get back to my work even because mm-hmm. I took the say, I took the time and said, right, I'm not going to earn, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to take the time that I need to recuperate. Wow, talk about divine, <laughs> divine timing. I mean, wow. Yeah. And I guess I was in the situation I was, I, I feel very luckily, lucky and privileged that I was in the situation what allowed me to take that time. Yeah. You know, I'm really aware at different times of my life I might have not been so privileged. Yeah, and, wow. I think back on so many of the things that I've been through and the timing of them. I mean, I, granted, I'd rather they not happen at all, but I have to, I'm going to sit with that one. I think I need to pull out my journal about that. I mean, I. I never questioned why me. Most people who had my accident uh, at some point or other would say, why me? Why did this happen to me? I never questioned it. Hmm. I never have had that question because I know why me. Literally days, have I told you this? Days before my accident, what I was doing? No. Okay, so that, I, I'm pretty sure those of you who are listening, guys, a lot of you have heard this story. For those who haven't, I will be quick. So a few days before my accident, I just finished the retreat with one of my mentors. And I took myself to be on the beach on my own by the sea and to write down a list of things that I wanted to work on. Mm-hmm. And there were things like communication, self-control, patience, mm-hmm. um, um, my temper, all those sort of things. Mm-hmm. And, and then it was like, literally, I wrote this list, put it away in my journal. Two days later, the universe went, Swip, here you go, everything on that list you asked for, here you go, it's yours, enjoy. Oh what my I God. say was without pain, without, I mean, I wish I'd said in an easy, relaxed manner. <laughs> from underneath me and just said here's your list here you go get on with it oh my god oh wow okay so yeah okay I I just knew I just knew why I I I've never felt the need to question it Mm -hmm. and it's not it's not been the easiest journey and 
Oh, there's definitely been a lot of really dark things, but I can't say ever say what's come out of it has been bad. I applaud you for having the self-awareness to combine those two moments, first of all, but to also have that self-awareness where you're like, yeah, me, not why me. You're just saying me. Instead of the question, it's a statement coming from you. And I just, I, I find that, that's that's strength that's strength right there but i see the same strength in you maybe that's why we've connected in the way that i have because I, I hear the way you talk about what i know was a very scary violent situation but you talk about it with power you talk about it with control and before that, when you talk about growing up in the system you don't talk about the hardships, what came with that. You don't, you didn't, you don't even talk about being disadvantaged because of that. You just went and got yourself a modeling career and you went off and did this and you went off and did that. I think that's incredible. I think it takes a huge amount of strength and a huge amount of confidence. Uh, thank you. What do you think, Wim? Yeah, do you agree? Yeah, when you agree, you think your mum's incredible, don't you? <laughs> He's a good baby. So um, is there anything else you would like to say or add before we uh, leave it there? Well, I mean, the only thing I, I'm on my mission for right now is to pull people along and allow others to pull me along as well. So if there's anybody listening who really feels like I need a piece of that energy and I want some of that guidance and I, I'm here to pull people along too, I would love to have a chat and see how we can pull each other along and really help people bring their visions and missions to reality instead of just a thing I'm trying to build. We're done with the building people, do it and go. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's why, you know, I'm also involved in pulling each other along and I am very excited. As far as I'm aware, I'm the first international member of my Yes. You are the first international member, which is exciting. I'm I remember so proud of that fact. I, to to that I was like, yay. All right, what time is it? Figure out what time, the time difference. The time difference. Well, um, funny enough, I had this conversation only about two weeks ago. I said, all this stuff in my life and business keeps on happening in America. Like yeah. it keeps on happening in America. Maybe I'm meant to be going and living in America. A member family I was talking to at the at the at the time just went no no I don't think that's what she's telling you I'm not sure she was like no I'm I'm sure that's not what she's telling you that's amazing we would love a visit I mean I will definitely come and visit but um you know there was a temptation for a little bit but if I miss my family when I'm in Yorkshire you know going the other side of the land it might be a little bit much in the moment yeah okay well thank you so much I really really appreciate your time and you certainly have been one of the most inspiring misfits that I've spoken to. So I really, really appreciate that. I am and I can't wait to cause havoc with you. That's what I want to do. 
Yeah. Oh, to cause adventure and havoc and to stir things up. Let's stir. Let's stir the pot. All right. Take care. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it.